by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. We need to give more than we have in the past. We need to praise harder than we ever have before. We need to worship deeper. We need to give Jesus some thanks in his house right now, I think. Give him a hand clap of praise. Has he been good to you? Where would you be without Jesus right now? Where would you be? Would you have that breath in your lungs? And many of us wouldn't still be here if it wasn't for Jesus. If he wouldn't have stepped into my life and pulled me out of that miry pit and set my feet on a solid rock, I don't know where I'd be right now. But he has been good to me. I know he's been good to you. And so we got to begin to shout louder than we have in the past. The past is the past at last. It's time to shout louder than you ever have before. Maybe somebody's got a hallelujah in here today. I don't know. Last I checked, we were, we were called by his name. This was his house. Last I checked, he deserves all the glory and the praise. So I just like to stir people up. Come on, give out what you know's in your heart to give. Is that right, Big Joe? I want to thank you, Big Joe, for filling the pulpit last Sunday and giving them everything that the Lord gave you to give them. Woo! I tell you what, I tell you what, I can preach myself happy before we even get started today. We got all these young bucks in the house, everybody using their gifts and talents. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be about one man's gifts and, and preaching from some pulpit. It's about everybody pulling together and getting the job done for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about what you bring on Sunday mornings. It's about you calling somebody on Monday afternoon. It's about you loving your neighbor, getting involved in the things that God's doing through the Passion Church. That's what I'm so excited. I fought hard to get here today. They say absence makes the heart grow fonder. I tell you, it must work because I couldn't wait to get here today. I fought hard to get here. Paul said, and I think 1 Corinthians 15, he said, I have fought with the wild beast at Ephesus. I didn't know what that meant until now. I, feel, I, don't, I still don't know what it means, but I feel like I've been fighting with some wild beasts to get here today. Two or three weeks of that COVID quarantine stuff, stuff about knocked me out. But I got back up, got back in the pulpit. And then the next week, a kidney stone. Anybody in here ever had a kidney stone? I hear all them grunts and groans out there right now. My wife asked me, she said, what's it like? What does it feel like? I said, well... You know, you got your kidneys up here, and if you get a stone, a stone comes out of one and passes through this little bitty tube down to your bladder. And while it's passing through, it's all jagged, and, and it's bigger than the tube, and it's a very sensitive tube. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a very sensitive tube. I said it really feels like when, 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 the, when the pain is not real bad, when, when the, the, the thing is not moving, it doesn't hurt that bad, it just feels like you got a knife sticking out your back. You're walking around, you're like, you, you're kind of... I'm still passing it right now, so 
Right now, it's just like I got a knife sticking out my back. I can feel it, but it's not, it's, it's bearable. It's not bad. She said, what's it like when it's moving? I said, that's like a monkey jumping on your back. Start twisting that thing. <laughs> and you can't get it off. It's like, somebody help me. Grown men will be hitting their knees and barking like a dog. Lord, help me, Jesus. I don't know if you've ever been through a kidney stone. But that's the wild beast I've been fighting to get here today. Whew. I've been praying some scriptures on this thing. My main scripture I've been praying over my kidney stones is, this too shall pass. <laughs> I've also been praying, be thou removed and cast into the sea. <laughs> Whoo! I tell you, you'll become a praying man if you ever had a kidney stone. But I understand it's not just me that's fighting hard to be here today. I understand that. I know some of you have fought tooth and nail to be here today. Whether you join us on the live stream or whether you, whether you limped up in the parking lot today, you have fought hard to be here because we're all going through something right now. This is not one of those easy stretches. This is one of those times you're being stretched. But you know what? There's a reason you're fighting to come back here. There's a reason because this place is worth fighting for. Our church is worth fighting for. The charge that God gives his elect is to, to take care of his church that he gave his life for. And we're going to keep fighting. We're going to keep being here when we can. Keep tuning in when you can. This is our charge from God. Now, I know in 2020, it's like we've been walled in. It's like we've met a brick wall every, every turn. It's like one impossible situation after another. I know you're going through it in your life. How am I going to pay the bills? I mean, I can't go to work. How am I going to do this? And every time you, you think you've got an answer, that door closes, and we've been walled in like never before here at the church. I want to, I want to do our outreaches so bad. I'm missing sidewalk stories. I want to see them little kids get saved. I want to see them learn about Jesus. I'm missing it. I'm missing, I'm missing our own little kids that hadn't been able to have children's church. That's why we did the kingdom kids. We've done everything we know to try to get around the walls, but it seemed like we can't get to the nursing home. We can't get to the jail half the time. We can't get to youth villages and all our outreaches. And I don't know the answer, but I know this. I'm not going to quit. I'm, I'm going to keep fighting to get to church. I'm going to keep giving. I'm going to keep praising. I'm going to keep shouting. And I'm not going to stop. Though a thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, it shall not come nigh me. We're fighting a good fight here. Our church has had some struggles this year, but we're still here. Every church is having struggles this year. There's times in life where you just get hemmed in. We're Americans. We're used to being free. But we're experiencing being hemmed in like never before. And we don't understand why. We don't understand. How did this happen? What just happened? What's about to happen? We got questions. We don't have answers. And like I said, we're facing impossibility on every side. What do you do? A lot of people say, well, that's a good time just to quit. Ain't no quitting us. 
Ain't never going to be any quitting us. From the moment I got translated out of that kingdom of darkness and, and he filled me with his spirit, there ain't no quitting me anymore. To my last breath. Can you say that with me? To my last breath. Woo. I got good news for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. I'm telling you, it's all over the world right now. This COVID and this pandemic and, and what God is doing and what the devil is doing. I don't know who's doing it, but what's doing right now is all over the world. We're all experiencing this. So if you're going through a hard time in your life right now, know that others are in it with you. Reach out and help one another. But it says our God is faithful. And he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you're tempted, he will show you a way out. Say a way out. You know God always has a way out. When we feel hemmed in, when we feel walled in, like there's no answers, there's one with an answer. And sometimes he puts those walls around you so that he's the only place you can find your answer. He will make you come to him. I'm telling you, a kidney stone will make you call on the name of the Lord Jesus. He will show you a way out so you can endure. I'm going to start a new series today. Uh, at least that's my plan, unless the Lord decides to go elsewhere. We're going to call it The Battle is the Lord's. Say The Battle is the Lord's. That just feels good coming out because it takes all the pressure off of you. Just say it again. The battle is the Lord's. Today's message, I'm going to entitle it, Victory Out of Impossibility. Victory Out of Impossibility. That's what God is good at. We're going to begin in this series to discuss some times when the people of Israel... God's people were facing battles that there was no way in the natural that they could win. But God snatched defeat out of the jaws or snatched victory out of the jaws of defeat. Isn't that right? I'm going to go ahead and give you the key to today's message before I, I get started. It's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. This is the main point, and we're going to start with the good stuff. Second Chronicles, chapter 20, verse 15, he said, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. And don't be discouraged by this mighty army that's arrayed against you. For the battle is the Lord's. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Say the battle is the Lord's. That's what we need to understand. If you fight in your own strength, you're going to come up shy. You're not going to get to the end of the race that God has called you to fighting in your own strength. We must first understand that the battle is the Lord's. It's His victory that we're just partakers of. Say the battle is the Lord's. 
We're going to talk about the crossing of the Red Sea today. You know the story. Hopefully you do. Uh, God's people, Israel, had been enslaved in Egypt for 430 years. That's a long, long time. And God sent a deliverer named Moses. He said, Moses, I want you to go in and set my captives free. I've heard their cries, and it's time for them to go free. And Moses came in, and Pharaoh, you know, the leader of Egypt, he would not let the people go. He had no intention of letting them go. He was using them as his slave labor. But after about 10 plagues and 10 miraculous signs that God brought against the Egyptians, Pharaoh changed his mind. He said, okay, y'all just go, please. So God showed his strong right arm, and he delivered his people. They only knew slavery. They never knew freedom like we know freedom. In fact, I think the first four or five plagues were mostly for the, for the Israelites to show them that God does want to deliver them and convince them that they should be free. They didn't even want to be free. Have you ever been so bound that you don't feel like you, you could even imagine yourself free from what you're going through? Call on the name of the Lord. He's a deliverer today. So after 10 plagues, Pharaoh said, y'all just go. And uh, so Moses led about 2 million Israelites out of Egypt. And the funny thing is, is he didn't deliver, he didn't send them right to the promised land where he wanted to go, which was only about an 11-day journey, they say, by foot. But instead, he sent them out to the Red Sea to camp out in the middle, out in the open, with their back against the sea, nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, vulnerable, completely vulnerable. It's almost as he was tempting Pharaoh to go back on his word. In fact, it, we read in Exodus chapter 14. Let's go ahead and turn there because that's where we'll be today. Anybody getting anything so far? Is it working up to something for you? Can you feel, do you have an expectation about what God's fixing to birth in you today? About being free and how to get free? How to stay free? How to live free? Exodus 14, chapter 1, or 14, verse 1. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order, order the Israelites to turn back. Say turn back. And camp by Piharioth between Migdal and the sea. Now some of you are thinking, well, God never turns back. God never retreats. God just keeps moving forward. Nobody can stand in his way. But here it says God gave instructions to Moses to turn back. Sometimes you got to take a step back before God can get you to where he really wants to get you. I want you to think about that in your own life right now, in the life of this church. It seems we have taken a step back. But who ordered the step back here? The Lord. The Lord gave these instructions. He said, camp there along the shore across from Baal Zephon. Then Pharaoh would think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. That Pharaoh was a character, man. 
I have planned this. See, God's got plans. He said, I have planned this in an order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped as they were told. In other words, God has sent them out there as sitting ducks. Pharaoh said, let them go, but God sent them out there just tempting Pharaoh to go back on his word. He's already angry. He's lost his firstborn, you understand. And there they are just sitting there tempting him. Who hemmed in the Israelites? God did. It was God that told him to take a step back and, and set yourself out there all vulnerable like. Why did he do it? That he may draw the enemy in and bring glory to his name. And it also says, did you notice there it says, after this the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. He was not only concerned about the Israelites knowing, he wanted the Egyptians, he wanted the enemies of God to know that he is the Lord. So most times what God is doing is bigger than what we can see, understand, bigger than, than, than us. We're like, woe is me going through this. But he's usually using your situation for somebody else's benefit. He's positioning you to bring glory to his name. When you start talking about who did what, you know, if the Bible tells you, the Bible tells you who did it. God sent them out there and set them up. But you say, well, did God bring this COVID on America? Did God bring this pandemic on the world? I don't know. It might have been the devil. It might have just been time, space, and dimension clashing together and something brewed up out of the kettle. It's not always ours to know why. You understand? Human, in, human reasoning will reason yourself out of believing and trusting God every time. If you have to know the reason why everything is happening, then you're not trusting God. So I don't know what is happening in America today. I don't know who's causing it. But I do know this. I know the one that's in control and the one that's going to come out the victor. You can rest assured that God is always ten steps ahead of whatever the devil's doing. The devil has his plans. The devil has his scenarios he's worked up in his mind, but they're not going to be fruitful. He always overplays his hand. Like when he crucified the Lord of glory. He was celebrating. He thought he had won, and all he had done is guaranteed his defeat. The devil is no match for our God. Our God is going to win. And the battle is the Lord's. And what I'm trying to get to you today is if you'll keep yourself in position, you'll see victory in the impossibility. If you'll keep yourself in position, you'll see victory in your impossibility. What do I mean in position? That means walking with the Lord. 
That means listening to his voice. That means doing what he says. That means be so close to him. To keep on that full armor of God every day. To have the armor of faith on. Well, we know that Pharaoh indeed fell for God's trap. And he mustered all his armies together. And they were all in a bad mood, I can imagine, after losing their firstborn. After going through the hail and the frogs and the gnats and the darkness and all the plagues. They were probably ready to take their anger out. Oh, we got them now. They're just with their back up against the wall, up against the Red Sea. And so they ride out in their fancy chariots and their horses and their armor. And they've got their fancy weapons. And the, the people of Israel are sitting out there without, they don't have anything to fight with. They're out in the wilderness. They, they, they're not sure what's going on. And in Exodus 14, verse 10, it says, As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and they panicked. When they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. And they cried out to the Lord, but they didn't cry out to the Lord with faith. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us just be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in a wilderness. Sound like a bunch of grateful folks for all that God's done for them, doesn't it? There's always two ways to react in a crisis. Out of fear or out of faith. I believe many of the crises that we experience in our life are just tests. To see if we'll remember all that God has done for us in the past. Or will we put him to the test again? Will we begin to complain? Will we panic? Will we say, well, I was just better off before I got saved? Before I got free? Fear. Mully grubs and complains. But faith says, watch what my God is about to do. Watch what my God... I know it's hard for everybody out here today. I'm not making light. This is probably the biggest temptations of our generation. This is the biggest... This is our time of testing. All the basic training that we've had in all our years of church is so that we can hold the church together in this real live combat situation. And I know it's hard, and I know it's difficult, and I know your flesh wants to jump up and say, I'm tired, and I'm just going to quit. Or I'm going to go to some big church that's got all their stuff together. They ain't got their stuff together either. Nobody's got their stuff together right now. The question is, are you going to respond to this crisis in America in your life with faith or with fear? People's character is being tried. The church is being tested. People are sitting back like they're in a third grade playing cooties with COVID. 
Letting this... We'll just stop there. Complaining about inconveniences. Scrutinizing every decision the church has made in the heat of battle. I don't like the live stream. I don't get nothing out of it. I thank God for the live stream. What would we do if we didn't have the live stream? Josiah, you are my new best friend. I barely knew Josiah at the beginning of this year, but this man has brought us through. God has used him in a mighty way. God has used Nicholas in a mighty way. God has used Richard in a mighty way. Joe, so many of you, God is using Paul in a mighty way. God is using you. God is using you, Bill. Mary, my leadership team has been tremendous. God is using those who will respond to the crisis with faith. You, you understand some people think that they can just put their faith on hold until this is all over. I'll just wait till it goes back to normal, and then I'll get back with the church. How many knows that don't work? You don't put your faith on hold. What you do is begin a slow fade away, and it's going to be harder than ever for you to ever go back to church. Judgment begins at the house of God. Do you understand that? This is a time of testing, and many have faded away in this hour that are not here today, not joining us on the live stream today. Many have faded away, but many more have stood strong. This is a time of pruning. God will prune the church that it may come back stronger than it was before. The question is, are you going to be one of them here for it? I know you are. I'm praying so. In verse 13, the people are complaining to Moses, and Moses told the people, don't be afraid, just stand still. Say, stand still. That's hard for me to stand still. I want to make this thing happen. I want to make church happen. I want, to, I want to bust those walls down. But this is not the time. God is saying stand still. Same way he says in Psalm 46.10, I believe it is, be still and know that I am God. He's saying, stand still. Now is not the time to get out in the flesh. Now is the time for the church to be praying. And be trusting like never before. But it's not the time for us to get out ahead of God. God is saying, stand still. Just stand still. And watch the Lord rescue you today. Which one of you has the answers for America right now? There's only one person that has the answer and who can rescue us. He said, the Egyptians you see today, the enemies of God that you see today will never be seen again. 
The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Stay in faith. Moses says, shut up and trust God. The battle is the Lord. Say the battle is the Lord. I mean, what are we going to do? We're going to turn back and surrender to Pharaoh like the devil would take us back? He probably would. But then what have you got? You're going to fight in your own strength? You're going to say, okay, well, uh, let me take this wagon wheel out there and hit somebody with it. All these chariots. No, you're going to die fighting in your own strength. Is complaining going to help anything? Has complaining ever helped anything except help you to stay out in the wilderness, not enter into your promised land? That's what all complaining is good for. It's to rob you of your inheritance. But we must be still and keep our eyes on the narrow way that God has set before us. You see, God was about to make a narrow way through the Red Sea. And our narrow way here today is the same as it always been. His name spelled J-E-S-U-S. He is the way. And it's narrow. And you got to be walking close to hear his instructions so you can stay on the path. And that's what I'm trying to get to you today. That's where we need to be focused more than ever on our personal walk with Jesus Christ. The battle is the Lord's. Verse 15 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. God will tell you when it's time to get moving. He said, pick up your staff, raise your hand over the sea, divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the sea on dry ground. And what did Moses do? He did exactly the little bitty thing God asked of him. But he did it in faith. And when he stabbed that, that staff into the Red Sea, the waters parted and stood up like a wall on either side. And left a dry, narrow path across the Red Sea. <laughs> Moses simply needed to position himself close enough to God and do the little thing that God asked of him. You know, if Moses, he could have stabbed that sea all day long with the staff, and he couldn't have made more than just a little ripple here and there. Or you can trust God. And God will part the sea and stand the walls of water so that you can walk through on dry ground. You, you choose. Angie was at a prayer group recently. She said, uh, women, and she said a lady prayed over her along these lines, saying that we're walking through the Red Sea and that the walls of water are on either side. But she said, don't keep your eyes on the wind and the waves. Don't get, don't get scared when you're walking down the narrow path. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Just keep your eyes straight ahead, straight focus. That's what we need right now. We're walled in, you understand? And we got to keep our eyes on Jesus one step at a time until we get across. Anything you'd like to add to that, Angie? 
She gets so nervous if I say I might get her to say something. Well, I don't know, you know, Pharaoh had never been that bright. You know, when I mean Pharaoh, I'm talking that he's a type shadow of the devil. I don't know about you, but if there was the, I forgot to tell you about how God put a separation between the Egyptians and gave them time to do all this. Whirlwind. I don't know about you, but if I was in the Egyptian army and I saw this whirlwind come between us, and we just had 10 plagues, I was like, oh, Pharaoh, I think I got to get back. I think I'd be wanting to go back to Egypt myself. But then I see the leader of these former slaves put a staff in the water and the Red Sea parted and they begin to walk through it. I think I say, uh, no, thank you. But God gave his people a head start across. But Pharaoh's heart was so hardened. He always overplays his hand. He jumped right in there and said, let's go, guys, let's get them like they're going to get them in the middle of the Red Sea. But what happened was the Israelites, God's people, the last ones set foot on the bank of the far shore and they turned around and the Egyptians are in the middle of the Red Sea and their, their wagon wheels are falling off and their chariots are, fall, are, are wrecked into the bottom of the mud and stuck and they're trying to get across. And then the Red Sea closes in on them. And those walls that had been there to protect God's people now destroyed his enemies. I want you to know God is in control. He knows exactly what he is doing in America today. He knows exactly what he is doing in your life today. You can, you can complain. You can run from your problems. You can try to make your own way out. But I know a better way. I know a better way. When they got to the other side, if you would continue the story in Exodus 15, they were so excited. They're tasting freedom for the first time in their life, and now their enemies have been destroyed. And God has delivered them on dry ground. And they're sitting there, and they just began to sing a song to the Lord. All of Exodus chapter 15 is a song to the Lord. You need to get your song back. I feel like now more than ever is the time to thank God. That we need to be grateful people. More than ever. It's a sign that you're walking this out by faith and not in fear. No mully grubbing for the body of Christ, but giving of thanks to the Lord. A singing of a new song. This was a new song that they had never sang before. It's a long song. I don't know who was leading it, but somebody had a word. And they stood up in the midst of the congregation and began to sing to God a new song. And you need to begin to sing that new song. It's time, folks. It's time. Exodus 15, 3. I thought I'd bring out this one line in the song because it stuck out to me. It says, the Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. <laughs> the battle is the Lord. Say, the battle is the Lord's. 
All right, so let's be honest with one another right now. Let's be honest with ourselves. How have you handled 2020 so far this year? I don't think any of us would jump up here and say, man, I've been right on top. I've known all this. No, we got caught off guard, didn't we? <laughs> like driving with a blindfold, yeah. And there's a ditch on both sides of the road. Listen, my friend, that's all right. It's not, not how hard you can hit, but it's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. We've been hit. We've reacted crazy in some circumstances. It's brought the worst and the best out in us. But I'm telling you, it's time for us to get our focus. It's time for us to get our new song. It's time to get ready to stick that staff in the Red Sea and watch God part the waters and, and give us victory and wall in our enemies. It is time. And God is able. And the battle is the Lord's. How have you been acting? Well, just repent if, you, if you've been operating in fear. If you've been operating in fear, if everything, all your decisions have been made out of the fear of this virus, fear of this, fear of what's going to happen, fear of your job, fear of your family, fear of your children not acting right, all this fear... Turn it over to God. Cast your cares on Him. And get your eyes on Jesus. Are you positioned for your victory in the midst of the impossibility? Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.